Welcome to Fandom Power. What is up, guys? It's Wes, and I'm back again with your latest installment of Fandom Power Presents Order 66, our four-part review series of the final uh, four episodes, the last arc of the final season of The Clone Wars. Once again, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Andrew Daw, Yo. And uh, our good friend of the show and regular co-host, Hank McLaughlin. Gentlemen. Hello, guys. Glad to be back. Oh, my God. I can't tell you how excited I am after uh, having a very unscheduled hiatus uh, for what? How many weeks have we been absent? A lot. A few. I, I stopped, <laughs> I stopped tracking them. Yeah. Yeah. COVID has affected the world, and we are not immune to that. So here in Ontario, where Andy and I are uh, in the studio, we were under a mandatory stay-at-home order. So... We thought uh, that that doubled layer, even though we are in each other's social bubble uh, right. with, with the stay-at-home order, it was just uh, better all around for us to observe that and make sure that we were doing everything uh, in our power to keep everybody safe. So we all decided to of, take a break. Perfect. It's it's true. You got to be safe. And I, I sort of don't laud Nova Scotia for a lot of things, but perhaps the rest of Canada should look at what we're doing here. The Atlantic and, bubble. Uh, yep. Yeah, the and Atlantic it's, it's working really, really well in, in certain spots. And uh, the only cases that seem to be popping up are imported. Yeah, really. We Locally, we've got our first case of the UK variant just uh, just down the road, like 40 minutes right. away from us. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so we've, that'll be interesting uh, We've follow. been mandatory masks in public places since March of last year. Uh, yeah, so and, have we. Yeah, and uh, I was surprised at a friend that came from Victoria that he would, they were just walking around openly there. Yeah, the uh, one of the health units near us, uh, Simcoe County, uh, after what, a week, two weeks of of being back to be open, uh, are shifting back into a, uh, here in Ontario, we use a color coding system. Essentially, it's a five-tiered system. So they're going back into the gray zone, which is the the highest level of of lockdown that you can be in. So they are going to be fully locked down again as of uh, Monday, so... My word. And they're like the health unit that's right next door to us on the uh, western side. That's yeah, right. western side. Right. Anyway. That's an ever, uh, yep, ever uh, evolving thing. I know. So, but we're back. Yes, and that is what's most important. So a few things have happened since we've been away. Um, and because we are such Star Wars fans here, you, you can't help but not be sort of... You couldn't have avoided it. I mean, if you were following anything Star Wars over the last uh, several weeks and uh, having just come off of our Fandalorian review series of season two, The Mandalorian, we I don't think we can move ahead without uh, at least putting our two cents on what's happened in the world of uh, Lucasfilm, Walt Disney, uh, The Mandalorian, and uh, Gina Carano and her character Cara Dune. The dune in the room, I think. Yeah, you said I did. Yeah, addressing the uh, the white the white dune in the room, or uh, what was the other joke I made? Uh, it, it's now Kara Dunn. Oh man. <laughs> so I'm not going to really. I don't really want to dive into the whole political stripiness of the whole thing, but I'll just uh, succinctly for me. Um, I think if you work for an organization that 
has a, a social media policy, um, that's that's on you. You you kind of agreed to that when you when you signed up for the job. The the other side of that is I would just like to see you know that you know when you do have a social media policy that that policy is applied evenly across your employees, which from my perspective that may or may not be happening. I I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I maybe even take it a step further. When you work for a corporation that is expressly uh, I mean, it entertains us, but that's because we're weird. Yep. But it's expressly built on the entertainment for children. Yeah. You've got to mind your P's and Q's in public. And and to throw away um, television, like, you know, you, the, uh, the the cusp of stardom, your own yeah. television yeah. show in the Star Wars universe, to just chuck that away because you, man, it, I, I got I a joke around my work site is, uh, uh, is shut the F up and make a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, really yeah i mean it was kind of a you know it was almost like a sort of golden spoon in the mouth like opportunity and uh it's opportunity lost i know that she's pushing ahead uh with other avenues in her career i understand she's got a film project in the works uh being funded by uh ben shapiro uh i heard recently so yeah that's it strange cat to do that but i mean i wish her all the best i don't wish anybody any ill will no me um, neither i hope that she's able that she's to trying to take star wars down with her is kind of weird but hey i hope that she on a on a personal and a professional level is able to find some level of recovery that she can you know f- find her footing again mm-hmm. um but like you say like i hope that that's done without having to take anybody down in the process like stand on right. your own merits don't try and tear this other people it. down i don't it's not it's not very classy to drop celebrity names no no uh, no like i don't find that very classy anyway but let's talk about that's, that's let's, it. let's talk about the Cara Dune character specifically it's come up before um and and my thoughts are we've seen this a million times i mean uh how many 007s have there been how many batmans mm-hmm. have there been cinematically so can the, can the Cara Dune character survive with a recasting? I'm not that attached to the actress. She's not uh, an Academy. Like, like we enjoyed the crap out of it. Yeah. And you go back and listen to our shows. And one of the best things was that, that she was a, it wasn't about her. Like we didn't talk about how wonderful an actress she was. No. How she was nuanced and portrayed the crap out of She should win Academy Awards for this. We talked about how we had a, a strong female that yeah. looked natural yeah, and not like a Barbie doll. Nope. In in a lead role, and and it was empowering women, and that's that. And so, if we stick to those guns, yeah, and we want to recast the character, that's fine with me. I also don't think that she's that integral to the universe. Yeah, I would that, agree with that you on that. You could just introduce a new character, a I, la Cara Dune, if you will. We've seen this before with other properties and other franchises where characters have uh just disappeared and they've had like a one-liner throwaway line to explain their absence that's why i sent that sort of simpsons meme to you guys you have to go now yeah exactly (laughs) my planet needs me if they choose to move ahead without this character i hope that there is some closure there and not just a you know, a, a proverbial turn Disney turned their nose up at the character and just say nothing. And she's just never spoken of again. Cause I think that does a disservice to the character. Never yeah, mind the person, actually, but she's backwards on my shelf right now. Cause I'm not sure, <laughs> not sure how I feel. So I just kind of turned her backwards on the shelf. Right. Like I was like, well, I, gotta, I need a minute, man. Yeah. That's, that's fair. Well, with the Marvel universe, when they recast, uh, Rhodey. Exactly. Did anybody really bat an eye at his recasting to be like, for me, I actually 
Don Cheadle's the man. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I I don't want to piss off any actor, but Don Cheadle is the man. Yeah, yeah. And that line was perfect for it. Which one? Maybe next Uh, time. I'm here now. Deal with it. Look, it's me. I'm here. Deal with it. Let's move on. Oh yes, that's right. That's right. I was thinking of uh, uh, Terrence Howard's. Next time, baby. Then there was no next time. (laughs) So, anybody hear any uh, casting rumors for potential recast? No. No, I heard. I have one. heard casting rumors for Ezra Bridger. I can't recall. Oh, you know what? I I heard that Aladdin. one too, but it wasn't enough for me to dig in and want to. I'm like, it's too early for that. We're not there yet, so I'll yeah, pay attention yeah, to that yeah. rumor a little closer. It, maybe it's a fan thing, but there was a lot of traction in the last couple of weeks with uh, Lucy Lawless. Hmm. Oh well, yeah. No, uh, my wife said the same thing. Um, and I think when you throw up some uh, headshots of Lucy. Uh, up against uh, Gina, there's a passing similarity there. But at the same time, I don't know how old the photos are that they're using because I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to be ageist here or anything like that. I mean, look at Sigourney Weaver has been cranking out action properties, you know, for 30 years. And I'm not saying that Lucy Lawless couldn't, but. Oh, she can. She recently did that Ash versus Evil Dead. Did she? And she rocked that. Okay, so uh, maybe yeah. it's maybe it's just me and and my own ignorance because I haven't really followed her lately. But I'd be okay with that. Mm-hmm. I would be okay with that. Yeah, so would I. All right. Well, I don't think I have anything else to say on uh, on the whole Corano uh, Caradune thing. Uh, May the force be with her. Yes, and I uh, I wish her all the best in uh, future projects, and hopefully there'll be something out there that we can all sink our teeth into and and enjoy just as we did with uh, her portrayal uh, on The Mandalorian. Now, gentlemen, shall we get back to the business at hand? (laughs) Cue the Emperor cackling. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, we're back, and this one's a big one. It's, uh, God, it's it's our uh, Order 66 Part 2. It's episode number, I think it's uh, 13, 12, 13. I didn't write that down. It is called The Phantom Apprentice. It has a runtime of 28 minutes. This one, as was the rest of the uh, season, written by Dave Filoni, directed by Nathaniel Villanova, who essentially directed pretty much half of this season, if you go back and you look at his directing credits. He did half of the arc with the, the sisters on the, uh, the sub-level right. of Coruscant, and, and he's got at least two more, one or two more in this, uh, this arc here, the final arc. So we get the opening uh, shot. We get the, the Lucasfilm logos in green, just like they were cinematically in the last episode. But this time, our Clone Wars title card comes up in red. Did it come up in red in the last one? It did. It did. Okay, so red title cards, no change. Our opening shot picks up right where we left off in the last episode, and we see Maul with his Mandalorian Super Commandos, or the Maldalorians, as you like to call them, Hank. They actually call them that in the descriptive audio. I watched oh, the descriptive no audio this morning and I flipped out. I was like, is someone listening to me or am I subliminally hearing that crap? Well, that's interesting. I out this morning. They call I, them the Maldalorians. I was watching. It's very organic. I was watching here in the studio. Um, I have an Amazon Fire Stick at home that I use to watch TV at home, but I have an older Roku device here. And for some reason, nice. I could not turn on descriptive audio. So, oh, wow. I, yeah, I kind of watched it sort of raw. It was a horrible British fella. I'm so, I'm sorry to whoever it is, but I, I we couldn't really get into it. Okay, fair uh, enough. Not nearly as nice as the uh, the lovely lady who does the Mandalorian. No, she's awesome. I'd like to hear Super more. Super informative, her. still, but yep, yep. <laughs> anyway. 
So the Super Commando, Maul DeLoreans, are f- and uh, Maul facing down Ahsoka in an underground tunnel junction beneath the capital city of Sundari. Maul reveals that while he knows Ahsoka's name, he's not really familiar with her. And Ahsoka retorts, well, I know you. Maul sarcastically mentions that they have some mutual friends, which Ahsoka does not take too well, replying that I wouldn't put it that way. And Maul continues with his exposition, saying that her way of thinking is outdated. Realizing that she's outgunned and surrounded, Ahsoka takes a moment to trigger a beacon, which alerts Rex and the other clones of the 332nd of her whereabouts. Maul posits why Ahsoka came to Mandalore and not Obi-Wan and Anakin. For me, in this moment, I thought it was interesting because he's having this this whole conversation, and as much as he's talking to her, I got this impression, like, in this moment, he's actually, he's not talking to her anymore. He's like, he's talking to himself, like, why you? Why not Kenobi? Mm, you know, he calls like, Skywalker Kenobi's foil. Here. Yeah, yeah. At this point, he's rethinking his plans. You think so, eh? He's on the fly right now. Yeah, because by the time we get to the end of the episode and he lays it all on the line, yeah, like you kind of like, oh, yeah, he really is like, wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't the way I tried oh, to I put this together. That, actually, yeah. yeah. Ahsoka returns some of his sarcasm by uh, saying to him, well, why don't you just surrender and we can go ask him? <laughs> uh, but Maul casually is like, well, surrender will be pointless because both the Jedi and the Republic are about to lose any controlling interest in the galaxy. I kind of wondered if he was going to, it had been a while since I'd watched it. And you kind of wondered, like, is he going to lay it all out for her right here, right now? And then it's like, no. Because at this he point. Says, she draws sabers on him and he just yeah. really said, not yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's still, he's still, like Andy said, he's still trying to formulate exactly what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, and He's I think got more knowledge here than anybody else in the situation, except for Sidious too. He really does, and it's gonna he knows all the moving parts, like, he, and he understands what's about to happen. Not necessarily how it's going to happen, right? But that it's imminent, and it's unfortunate. Like we had that long uh, bit in our last episode where we talked about sort of what happened to him in between uh, what happened in the comic books, his imprisonment. Right. Um, because that comes into play later in this episode about that his his perceptions of uh, of Dooku. That's right. At this point, though, we get uh, the moment we get broken up when the three hundred and thirty second arrive, and there's a brief shootout. And like you say, the whole not yet thing they they kind of clash blades, and there's a brief duel, which ends when Maul pitches force pitches Rex across the room into Ahsoka, and then they make their getaway down the tunnel network. So, yeah, uh, Rex and Ahsoka, they they go off to give chase. They split up, um, and we get a couple of, like, quick flash snap scenes where it's like, oh, there's a person, but you're not sure who it is. And then uh, we round the corner, and it's Ahsoka and Rex face-to-face, and Maul has gotten away. Hmm. Which is really typical of this character. Like, if anything, Maul has been consistent with his getaways. You know, the guy, and Obi-Wan, right? Like, he's hard to kill. Hard to kill. Um, yeah. And it, <laughs> yeah. I think across the whole series, if there's one thing that's been consistent is him getting away. A thought occurred to me too. Like if we, we know sort of based on what George Lucas has said in interviews and not, while not explicit in Canon yeah, that a Jedi is diminished by losing limbs or losing body parts. It's, it's a function of their midi chlorine count. Right? Yeah. Everybody yeah, hates yeah. that. But well, if Maul what... is half the, the, force user ostensibly that he could be right how friggin' powerful was he it's a good question 
like like maybe uh, a, an Anakin, very close to Anakin or something like that. You would think so. Like maybe on uh, again that whole like balance thing. Like you know, for every light, there's a dark and. Are they the counterpoint to each other? I mean, uh, and Lucas has said that he was meant to be sort of the big bad, at yeah, the, the, yeah, the emperor yeah. character at the end of episode nine. If he had had his druthers, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it just makes you wonder. Like, well, let's <laughs> let's face it. I mean, the the Clone Wars, and I don't mean the TV series, but this particular era of Star Wars, that is the weakest element I think of the films is the ineffectual use of these awesome villains that you you present us with a character like and it's not just maul but like darth maul general grievous like these guys are like you think oh my god they're like so badass and then it's like oh oh okay there he just got taken out in one swing (laughs) yeah and it might have been even sort of a function of trying to the boba fett people on purpose and you know, you know what I mean by that. Like I do, yeah, them, yeah, yeah. Right, and I think that it really comes into focus. And it's like, it's like, it's it's not even a question that that's what they were trying to do with Captain Phasma from the. the yeah, the, Phasma, so right? like, so missed. Trying to make her weird and mysterious and yeah. hardly on screen, and only one or two, you know, lines that were terse and and so and it just didn't it didn't work. <laughs> I yeah. would have liked to see her being a full fleshed character. The you know the fact that they insinuate that they're gonna shove her into a garbage uh, like a trash compactor and then you know she dies by essentially falling in a pit, <laughs> like oh such a waste of a character. So I I think that in in some sort of way that like he just had designed people trying to hit things and when they hit them they were like okay here's a villain let's use it yeah and that, that they got lucky with sort of like Ray Park pulling something that to light like you know the way he moved in the film oh yeah yeah for sure for sure. And we're going to talk about that again today because uh, that's that's one of the big that's one of the big uh, I guess we can call it an Easter egg for this episode, but uh, we'll get to that and have a little chat about that because that's a lot of fun. So we cut to the throne room and now we see Ahsoka, Rex, and Bo-Katan, and they're in a briefing with a uh, holographic projection of Obi Wan uh, looking over uh, an image of uh, Sindari. Bo-Katan says that uh, the clones have been as effective as promised and there are just a few more firefights uh, to mop up. But without capturing Maul, the whole thing could fall apart very quickly and uh, he must be captured before he can escape the planet. Ahsoka reveals that Maul had mentioned the name Darth Sidious. And Obi-Wan lays it on the table for them. He says that Darth Sidious is the Sith Lord that is suspected of orchestrating the Clone Wars and manipulating both sides from the very beginning. Obi-Wan continues saying that uh, he first heard the name from Count Dooku, but that they won't be able to learn any more from him as Anakin has killed him during the rescue of the Supreme Chancellor. This is where we realize that we've begun to overlap Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, very much so. In a moment of insight, Obi-Wan asserts that uh, losing Dooku has meant losing a vital link to the understanding of the mystery surrounding Darth Sidious, but perhaps by capturing Maul, he may be able to fill in the gaps and solve the puzzle. Ahsoka asks for more troops, but Obi-Wan cannot afford to send any more because he's been assigned to hunt down General Grievous on Utapau. Ahsoka asks about being reinforced by Anakin, and Obi-Wan asks for the room so that he can speak with her alone. May I speak to Ahsoka alone for a moment? This kind of moment is is an interesting one because, um, as you all know, Obi-Wan is my boy. 
He's mm. my main. He's my main Jedi. He's my favorite character in all of Star Wars. So I I tend to scru- I tend to scrutinize him maybe just a little bit more than any other character in the franchise. I agree. I yeah. hold him to a higher standard. I do. And so he goes on and he talks about you know Anakin being placed on special assignment by the Council to the Supreme Chancellor, and uh, Ahsoka uh, does not take it very well. Like. She knows what he's been asked to spy. They told him to spy on the Supreme Chancellor. So it's very much like her reaction to Obi-Wan is like, oh, wow, this is like paralleling the reaction that Anakin had. The same phraseology. Same very words. much. Yeah. To spy on the Chancellor. Yeah. Like what? Obi-Wan was like, you're asking him to do what? Uh, even talking about, you know, the Chancellor has been a, an ally and a friend and Anakin can't be pleased with this. So... And I know it's the the animation style doesn't always lend itself very well for like conveying emotion without word, but you just you can sort of see it in the facial expression in Obi Wan that you know like mm, there's something up here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So Obi Wan goes on to tell her that the Supreme Chancellor has stayed in office for far too long, and the Council wants to know what his intentions really are. Ahsoka rightly guesses that Anakin can't be happy about the assignment, and Obi Wan then suggests that. Maybe Ahsoka could speak to him, which she very derisively says, what, so I can reinforce what the council says? So, I mean, it's clear at this point that Ahsoka is still pretty upset with her treatment by the council that resulted in her departure from the order. Yeah, and then Obi-Wan reveals his true purpose for talking to her in silence, though, next. Yeah, so... You know, like, yeah, go ahead. He, uh, it's sort of the same thing with when he goes to Satine the last time that he is involved with Maul um, where he has to he comes to a part where like he's a Jedi but he's he's this other human being at the same time and um, he and it's it's the same choice but now he like when Satine died and we talked about that in in the I think the previous episode that's right that, that was his release from that that side of himself that couldn't separate him from the Jedi code but yeah. now that he knows something's up, he's still got this compunction to help Anakin as a friend and a father figure or a brother outside of what's going on with the Jedi Order. Because he does yeah. know what's, that something's up, just like you said. And so the best he can do is say, I don't agree with the Masoka. You need to help me. You've hit it on the head in a way that I couldn't. Because when you say, like you say, like his... We talked about it before about, you know, they don't really expressly say that something happened between Obi-Wan and Satine, but you know something happened. Three years in his teenage years. Yeah, and you know that there's something going on here, but Obi-Wan, ever the the paragon of of Jedi culture, uh, he's he's chosen the Order over everything else. And so, you know, he, he acknowledges that the Council isn't always right. The Council isn't always right. And uh, I'm just going to, I actually wrote a little bit here where uh, just my own thoughts. I said that we know uh, at this point from our understanding of Revenge of the Sith that Obi-Wan is already concerned about Anakin's relationship with Palpatine. He knows that Padme is pregnant and that Anakin is the likely father. This moment shows some serious insight on Obi-Wan's part. And I think that he's already worried about Anakin falling to the dark side, even though he doesn't verbalize it which is why he asks Ahsoka to talk to him. It's as if Ahsoka can say all the things that Obi-Wan can't because she's not part of the Order. And even though the moment is just a couple of seconds, uh, it's really heartbreakingly tragic because 
the moment is is fleeting and we yet another opportunity to save Anakin from himself is lost because Rex bursts in announcing that there's another attack and uh you know the the scene kind of closes with Ahsoka you know asking Obi-Wan you know tell Anakin and her voice kind of trails off and he says I will and the sad part is whatever it is presumably it's you know an I love you whether it's you know or uh, you know I'm thinking of you that moment is never going to come never comes the very next time Obi-Wan and Anakin face off they're trying to kill each other yeah yeah and so I th- it's it's so tragic in the same it's sense of Satine yeah. telling Obi-Wan that she loved him and always will and he doesn't even give the I know like not even the 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 Star Wars the legacy line no. of I know no. which would have been wholly inappropriate anyway but still it uh, Dave Filoni is a friggin' genius. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've talked we've talked about the cyclical nature of Star Wars and and talking in stanzas and the use of sort of legacy across the franchise, and this is just one more uh, example of how the the nuance of pulling that off, and and this pulls it off very well, very well. Next, we switch over and we get a sweeping aerial shot of the ground outside that shows us a few bodies of uh, some clones and super commandos alike before the camera raises up and then pivots downward, looking down uh, another tunnel uh, back into the Sundari underground. At the base of the tunnel, we see there's a wounded clone he's being tended to, and he warns Ahsoka that Maul has torn through their ranks and that somehow he knew that ARC Trooper Jesse was an older clone and then took him alive. Yeah, Jesse. Holding Jesse captive, Maul makes some overtures about telling him everything he wants to know. Jesse defiantly refuses to talk, and Maul then dispatches Gar Saxon to secure Prime Minister Almec so that he does not become an asset of our enemies. Maul then turns his attention back to Jesse, where he asserts that he has no choice in the matter and that he will either speak or his mind will break. At that point, Maul begins to forcibly interrogate... Forcibly? Haha. Uh, interrogate Jesse and asks exactly who is Ahsoka Tano. In this moment, though, the uh, Maldalorian walking down the hall, yep. you can see he's maybe not a little sold on Maul's interrogation methods. Uh, Gar Saxon? Yeah. Like, yeah. Kind of, I don't know, maybe it's foreshadowing or whatnot, but like kind of setting up that maybe they backed the wrong horse in this race. I think he realizes that he... Like, because he's a traditionalist, yeah, he's a madman, certainly Gar Saxon, but he's a traditionalist, and that he has to back Maul. We like at this point, he doesn't use it, but Maul's got the dark saber. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't use it in this this fight because I think maybe he subconsciously thinks if Ahsoka Tana wins, she has Mandalore. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, I think the the double bladed lightsaber is very iconic. So it's a anyway. We'll get yeah. There. I think thematically there, that speaks more to the character. I mean, yes, he's got the dark saber, and it's enough for him to have it to for us to know that yeah, he is the guy in control. But it's easy to forget th- that he has it at this point too. Because yeah, it's not a focus of anything. It's just ambient in the background. He's still the ruler of Mandalore. Oh yeah. Thematically though, the double bladed uh, saber does oh, make yeah. more Hell sense. Yeah. And that's. I think that's why her lightsabers are blue as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We touched on that in the last one too. That's right. That's the right. whole, why are they blue now? <laughs> so we have, uh, oh yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit here. This is the the music. There's a bit of a musical cue here and I couldn't help but think, is this the same music that they use in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin is, you know, 
the the remaining council with Mace Windu, they go off to arrest Palpatine and that music plays where he's really struggling with like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It sounds very similar if it's not the same piece of music. It's quite possible. Yeah. yeah. It's part of Anakin's theme, I think. It's like very... It ends, uh, right? It's like the last few bars before it transitions into Vader's theme almost. It's, uh, I don't even know, thematically, it's... Uh, it's it's eerie, it's uh, creepy, it's sad, and kind of sinister all at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. like it's that the gate that they play it at, right? Like if they sped it up, it would sound more like some sort of hybrid imperial march. It, I suppose so. Yeah, you'd have to play it considerably yeah. faster though to get a march That's out right. of it. That's right. But through that musical cue, are they really setting us up like time frame wise? This is what's happening well, this exactly. Is what I on wondered, Coruscant. like, is this a point? Are we at that same point? And in my mind, I'm like. Uh, maybe is this to tell us that right now Anakin is struggling right now in the Jedi Council chambers while they are going off to arrest him? Maybe. Right, because it's also, keep in mind, Revenge of the Sith, it's the same, it's the music that he used when he murdered the children. It's mm-hmm. the same piece of music when he marched, uh, when he and the 501st marched on the, uh, on on the, the, temple. the temple. Yeah, It's true. I don't think we're there yet because Ahsoka would have felt through the Force. Well, yeah, we haven't hit that part yet. He isn't. He hasn't yeah. become Darth Vader yet. But certainly, uh, that whole struggle with like, the, I need him. Like, maybe that is where we are, sort of in the overlap. Timeline yeah. Wise. Like spoiler alert. Or yeah. Jumping ahead because you no, know, like we've had these episodes for a couple of years. Oh, I know. So the next episode, they like the like she, the, those lines are delivered in the moment that as they happen, she. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You remember her on the bridge of the ship? Oh, yeah, in. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's Those right. Those lines come to her as they happen. She feels them as they happen on the bridge of the ship. Yeah, that's right. Like, she's she's on the bridge of the ship present for the moment that, that Anakin ostensibly kills Mace Windu. That's right. Which yeah. is his, the final moments of his fall. Oh, uh, Mace Windu. Another, uh, lost, another lost opportunity. Yeah. At this point, Let's we have... Um, what's that? So let's get theory to bring him back. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> I am so stoked to see what he comes up yep. with next. The trailer looks dope. I know it's just a little minor thing, but it looks really, really good. Yeah, if you guys aren't uh, paying attention to uh, YouTuber Star Wars Theory, uh, go check him out because he's got this uh, amazing Darth Vader fan film that he's uh, fully uh, funded on his own uh, and is working on a sequel. Now, theory, you do us. <laughs> theory, if you're listening, we love you. Ahsoka, Bo-Katan, and Rex go to the Sundari prison to question Almec uh, about Maul's escape plans, where Almec tells them that there really is no escape plan because Maul feels that, that escape is useless, and he's been uh, feeling a sense of dread for weeks. Ahsoka asks if he's mentioned the name Sidious, uh, and Almec says that no, he has no recollection of that. Well, Bo says to Almec, you said that he wanted Kenobi here, Why? Almec responds with, uh, not just Kenobi he wanted, no. There was someone else that he was interested in. <laughs> and in a moment of what I call, you know, sheer stupidity, Almec, thinking that he has some leverage by withholding the name, starts playing coy. If only right. I could remember. And then, uh, like what you said before, like the, the that scene, the the look on Almec's face, what like the animation is brilliant. Yeah, because like he's... The expressions are like, the way he does, like fantastic he's got I, like not to make the well i'm gonna make the analogy he's got like mm. the uh the gaston the 
<laughs> the look, yeah. the curled yeah. the curled smile, like meh, like it's Disney villain, eh? Cookie jar. Seriously, like what's the fingers rasping together? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Stylish sneer or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, wicked. Until Ahsoka beckons uh, Bo, help him remember. Yeah, oh well, yeah. But it, you know, anymore. we talked about this in the last episode, and this is such a contrast for this character because in the previous episode, or sorry, back in season five, when Almec was uh, uh, in prison and he got approached by the the brothers, he was so calm and cool and collected and like, dude, like you are standing in front of two very powerful force users and you're like, yeah, so? But in this episode, it's a totally different contrast. The second that Bo-Katan, like, under the threat of physical violence, he, he mm. caves, right? Ah! Which is the complete opposite of what we saw before. But uh, yeah, well, He might have felt valuable before, and this he knows that there's just no value to Like, she would kill him. Bo-Katan would just kill him. I think she given, would, yeah. Given her druthers, you know what I mean? Oh, I, I think she would. I mean, she's lost her sister at this point, and she, I'm sure from Bo's perspective, she's got nothing to lose and everything to, to gain. So maybe he's smart enough to understand that while he could be a pawn for Maul, that he's useless. Besides this one little piece of information, he's useless. Yeah, exactly. So he's like literally like, no, no, and he's about to like spill it. And then we find out what happened to Gar Saxon as two blaster bolts streak in through the open door, striking Almec in the chest. And if uh, I have a problem with anything in this episode, it's this, and that, and that's that. Those two same shots kill Ahsoka Tano and Bo-Katan dead in that scene, and it's a whole different thing. <laughs> Meaning they should have? Well, not that they should have, but that like if he clearly got those shots off that they didn't notice between them, oh, yeah. twice in the chest, he could have clearly taken out higher target enemies. That's true. And they both had their backs turned, helmets off, heads exposed. I'm not wishing it on them, but it's a crazy plot hole for a guy. No, I guess so. I think maybe two high value targets. No, that's true. At the same time, though, Maul did specifically say go Go tend to the prime minister so that he does not become an asset. So, I mean, if if you're about to spill the beans on the plan. Mm. I guess the priority was to silence him and then deal with the others, which we know that didn't work out. Yeah, I think he ostensibly wins the fight for Maul right there. He sure could have. Yeah, I mean, he definitely could have because, I mean, they like you say, they had their backs to him. Why he didn't do it? I don't know. And he like he like he put the shots between them, like yep. like oh, yeah. one person's armpit kind of thing, you know? Like so. yeah, yeah, really. Anyway, uh, forward. yeah, so. Sniper uh, position from a higher level in the prison, uh, in the prison level, uh, through the open door, Bo immediately gives chase, and uh, Ahsoka dispatches Rex to get a medic. Almec, in his dying breath, tells Ahsoka that Maul has been having visions, and when she presses him for a name, he answers, Skywalker. <clears throat> kind of mimicking the Yoda line? Uh, yeah, very much, eh? Well... Yeah. Yeah. The uh, previous, you know, there is another could almost be a throwback to Yoda too, right? Uh, possibly, yeah, maybe. In you know, why did he want Kenobi? And he's like, oh no, there's another. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, good point. Good point. More subtle. Yeah, you're right. I feel like this sequence uh, kind of confirms uh, for us, the viewer, that uh, through the Force, Maul has foreseen Anakin's fall to the dark side, uh, and has you know his becoming Sidious's new apprentice. And even though, again, talking about that. You know, the animation and its limitations, even though Ahsoka's expression doesn't really reveal anything, you almost have to wonder, is Ahsoka now starting to piece it together for herself? 
maybe. I say that Maul implicitly knows what's about to happen because his yeah. plan hinges on luring Anakin there to deprive to Mandalore. Of his yeah, exactly, exactly. So he knows implicitly what's about to happen. Meanwhile, Bo-Katan giving chase to Gar Saxon, and we're treated to this pretty cool three-dimensional uh, uh, fight sequence where the two of them are leaping down an elevator shaft on jetpacks and trading shots with each other. Mm-hmm. Using key, like whistling birds. and Yeah, and, like uh, they're, they're, they're using all the armor stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Saxon gets disarmed and the fight becomes a melee on top of an elevator where he then kicks Bo-Katan into an adjacent elevator shaft, which just happens to be in the uh, path of a rapidly descending elevator. <laughs> Using his flamethrower gauntlet to distract her, Bo defends herself with the same energy shield that we talked about in our last episode, the same energy shields that I complained were glaringly absent from the Mandalorian, and I'm still complaining about it. Because of the weak-ass Beskar they're using, I guess. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Struck by the elevator, Bo overloads her jetpack to slow it down and eventually stop it before getting crushed, which is a bit of a surprise for the Mandalorian loyalist and the <laughs> clone soldier who happened to be riding on it. You like see, it, it's a Superman moment for me. She's like, yeah, yeah, pure, yeah, very pure much. Superman moment, stopping the moving train or sure. plane or what have you. Oh my Fantastic. gosh, yeah. Or the way yeah, she touches down so gentle at the end. Yeah, mm. and then the the fizzle on the from the jetpack as it kind of yeah, yeah, craps yeah. out, fails right at the end. Fails right at the end. Yeah, yeah. Then we get a bit of a shift, and we go back to uh, reuse of uh, animation assets. Here we go back to that uh, tunnel junction which I am going to say is probably another tunnel junction because you'd never go back to the same one. Right. And uh, really cool little uh, fan service moment here where uh, there's Maul at the center the center of the tunnel. Rook cast looks on. Gar Saxon's kind of walking up, and he sees this hollow transmission, and it's the heads of uh, the Syndicate or the, uh, the Shadow Collective. So we've got uh, the head of the Pikes, the black side, like the... They never do say if it's Shizor or not, but we've got the leader of the, the Black Sun and Dryden Voss for the Crimson Dryden Dawn. Boss. Yeah, standing there at the center. Entering the chamber, Gar Saxon uh, asks Rook what's going on, and she tells him that Maul has ordered the crime bosses into hiding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you figure it would be prudent for Palpatine to strike out at all those guys too. Well, I mean, he's he's said it now that the balance of power is about to shift, and... Uh, well, even here, like it's uh, he's already taking steps to preserve whatever he can in the in the wake of what he knows is coming. The whole sequence, yeah, yeah. the whole sequence acts as a bit of an exposition piece about how he was wrong about Dooku, and Maul realizes now that they had way more in common than he ever thought. Both of them being former apprentices, and um, this is the, brings really home to that uh, the, that comic Son of Dathomir, where where yeah. after having humbled him, capturing him. Uh, Palpatine parades Dooku in front of him. He gives a, like, you uh, know, Maul gives that. He actually makes a. Re- that's where the reference comes from. You once liberated me. That's right. And that's where you have this moment of like, what, what, what's he talking about? So if you didn't read the comic, you're kind of, you're like, wait a minute, something, I missed something. What's going on here? Yeah, um, it was, it's it's. I encourage everybody to reach out. Like it's. I think there's even a like a motion video on YouTube. There's all kinds of ways to enjoy this media now without shelling out tons of money. Yeah, of course. You can go back and listen to our last episode where we kind of expound on it, I think. That's true, too. At this point, he gives what I call the the coach pep talk. (laughs) Coach, Coach Maul 
and his uh, team. He gives them what I call the worst the worst pep talk in television history about yeah, how yeah. Uh, you know if you're we got to move to seize any power we can, and then you know if you're gonna die, then you'll die as warriors, and and they all get they all get behind it, even though it's a it's a terrible speech that but serves a purpose to speak to their you know the base the base emotions of we're warriors her. Well, you get the same idea in like 300, right? You know, if we're going to die, we're going to die as warriors. I guess and so. that's what we march towards. Leonidas was far more inspiring though. True. But tonight, we died in hell! <laughs> he, he does make a, a, a reference to them not living like rats in, he does. in caverns and stuff. Yep. Which is sort of diametrically opposed to the way we see Mandalorians in The Mandalorian. Which is exactly is what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny yeah. that to make that connection, I never actually thought about that. Yeah. Oh, that adds so much more depth to the whole covert thing. And the other point, the other point to make here, he says, if you die, you die as warriors. Warriors, There's no we. Yeah, it's you. you If you die, you die. (laughs) But isn't that isn't that Maul though? Like, there's another line at the end where he he expresses the same sentiment when they like they we're we're being overrun. Oh, that's right. Die well. Yes. 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 He does. This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorSplatoon.ca. CollectorSplatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collector's Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorSplatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit CollectorSplatoon.ca today. You're listening to Fandom Power. Meanwhile, on the surface, uh, back with Ahsoka, Rex, and Bo-Katan, they're overlooking uh, what looks to be like an evacuation of Mandalorian civilians. Standing on a balcony just outside the throne room, they turn to enter the throne room, and Bo-Katan asserts that neither she nor the people will tolerate a long, drawn-out siege. uh, Rex is pretty adamant here, like, well, you asked for our help. Exactly. Um, uh, My men aren't police. Yeah, are not having fun here. My men don't want to be acting as a police force. I actually, I really, uh, I enjoyed that line a whole lot because it really speaks to the whole soldiers are not police, you know, and uh, given, you know, what's going on in the world today. Yes. Doesn't yes. it make sense? So Ahsoka says, well, as soon as Maul is captured, the Republic forces will leave and Bo, you'll have your chance to lead. None of them actually notice sitting in the throne room on the throne uh maul who's like i agree is like oh oh okay so uh bo immediately charges him pistols blazing and uh he really has this uh what i refer to as a kylo ren-esque moment where he starts Mm. bending like not deflecting but literally bending the bolts around him curves them out of the way and this is why that when i watched that scene a few times in a yeah. row this morning and a little bit last night i was like how friggin powerful is, is this he? guy be when he's not cut in half oh he's yeah curving blaster bolts with a wave of a hand and and you gotta think too i mean amplifying that like the dark side right now is so 
like Revenge of the Sith, where yeah. Palpatine's like drinking it. He's that's it's almost like a he's like Dracula drinking blood. He's, oh, the dark side is so powerful right now. Yeah, you know? and yeah, he's like, yeah. It's the strongest so, it's ever been. Right, exactly. And then so that's feeding like Maul is effortlessly wielding. You know, these are the things that you're seeing in the High Republic comic right now that the Jedi are doing like crazy abilities because the the light side of the Force is just unchallenged, unmatched right now in that era. One of the things I noticed about this episode, uh, particularly with Maul and his dialogue, and I haven't really touched on it because it's it's hard for me to get the the same inflection that uh, Sam Witwer uses, but you get this like he kind of goes in and out of of his own sort of madness, as it mm. were. Like he's these moments of like clarity where everything is very clear and precise, and then it it kind of goes off into this like fevered pitch where he's practically yelling and then it brings it back down and you're like dude like are you, is he insane like what's going on have you ever seen the uh the footage it's out there of the actor oh yes yes i have do, doing the obi-wan fight scene yeah from, from the de- uh, in the desert yes i did when he screams kenobi oh man how many, <laughs> oh man how many takes did he have to do for that because i'm telling you that wow. was it looked like he was really really exerting on that yeah. oh man uh props Just incredible Super, super props to Sam Witwer for giving that character all the development that he's gotten over the years. Uh, it's it's now difficult to go back and remember that it was another actor uh, in the film, not Ray Park. And uh, oh my God, it was uh, oh what's his name? I can't think of his name. Oh goodness, I can picture him. It wasn't the guy who played Yon Rog, was it? It might have been. Who played Yon Rog, Andy? Oh, Jude Law. It might have been. I'm going to have to go back and look. But we know, like, anyway, my point was, thank you, Sam mm-hmm. Whitworth, for making a, a incredibly memorable character and uh, for coming back. Full circle, live action, uh, it's Sam Whitworth in Solo. Oh, yeah. Mm. So, right. I agree. Uh, bow charges, the whole pistol, uh, b- bending the blaster bolts, none of which hit the, the restrained Jesse that I didn't realize was there until they release him. So, anyway, so he holds her in place. And asks, is that any way to treat your rightful ruler? Oh, yeah. Which, depending on your own interpretation of the Mandalorian warrior tradition, may or not may or may not be true, depending on how you feel. <laughs> yeah, Jesse on his knees, bound in binders. Maul releases him, and Jesse, as he, as he kind of struggles to get to his feet and, and get away, apologizes to Ahsoka and tells, uh, you know, I, I told him everything. I couldn't help it. I told them everything. At this point, we get a reinvigorated force of uh, super commandos on on the wing begin to assault the surface of the city, and then taking Jesse with them, uh, Rex and Bo, leave to join the battle, which leaves Ahsoka and Maul to face off for the second time this episode. There's a couple of things here that, like, when the the explosions start going off in the background, really reminded of the scene where Emperor and Vader have Luke on the second Death Star. Watching the battle. While the battle is the tide is turning against our heroes, very right? much so. And the the casual way Maul says here, oh, "Don't worry, we'll be fine." And he's so dismissive, so confident. There's another right line now. there. Uh, somebody might want to deal with that. Uh, one of you might want to deal with that. I think was the line. Is that is that yeah? Hell, or is that yeah. Um, I think she she says, Ahsoka tells Bo that maybe she should go and help your people because she like there's a wave of those commandos coming through the into the city i guess you should go your people need you 
That's right. And I mean, that's their, that's their cue to take Jesse and get out of the room. That's right. So standing in front of a window in the throne room, Maul uh, observes the battle from the battle below. And he starts to rehash the perceived reality of Ahsoka's journey from his own perspective. And ever the manipulator, he lays it kind of bare for her, detailing her departure from the Jedi, uh, noting that it was motivated by the council's hypocrisy. I left voluntarily. He gets her there. Yeah. Oh, does he? he and he, he can, this is a Sith tactic here. Telling the truth is a crazy Sith ability. Yes. They have. When you realize that the Jedi trying to protect you or, or not like you, but one or, or their own. Yeah. Will spin the truth to suit their needs. Oh yeah. And we've seen twice now, this is the second time where where he literally uh, Maul lays it on the line. But we've seen Dooku do that in in Attack of the Clones when he's talking he to Obi Wan. Literally Obi-Wan. says, "This is what's happening. Here's yep. the Sith Lord Obi Wan. Join me. We'll defeat him. We'll bring order to the galaxy." And and you almost like he's telling the truth. I know that that every Sith is gonna, you know, is eventually gonna turn the galaxy, on their own. Right? Yeah. You almost get the like Dooku's eyes hadn't turned. No, they hadn't. Right, like so. There's something there, like like. I, I don't know. The novelization like, of uh, of Attack of the Clones really dove into sort of the his his sort of where his headspace was, and he mm. actually he believed that he was doing the right thing. He actually thought that he was leading a revolution for the betterment of the people. You know, well, he and, really and really believed it. that. This is a, no bad guy thinks they're the bad guy. No, they don't. And so, and this is why you have such it's so organic when you see Ahsoka fall. Like when when the Jedi, sorry, fall out of favor with Ahsoka, and you can see yeah. that's that breaks Anakin's heart because he he knows she's right, but he's torn to his loyalty to Obi Wan. Yeah, and yeah, know, yeah. And, the, and this is the this is the thing that's tearing him apart. Yeah, I think more than the Padme thing, honestly. On I some this, level, this. I think so. I I mean, I think they're held. I think Padme and and Ahsoka are held sort of on an equal. It's equal, but it's not equal. I mean, there's I, there's no, I, romantic I there's romantic love, and then there's the love of. Mm-hmm. I don't want to call it sibling because it's not that. Almost a child. Almost yeah. a child. Yeah, almost. Um, it's 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 a special relationship that they have, and you're right, and it's so much better developed than the romantic relationship that it is. Just, sort of crammed into two movies being able to spend so much time attack of the clones was well yeah and i mean the the, the, the two actors just didn't have chemistry and that's no one's fault it's just that's the way it was they really tried on uh, you know but the the opportunities the writing opportunities just weren't there you know what you Mm. you you can only take a senator out of the senate so much to have her traipsing around the galaxy having adventures with her you know secret lover Uh, sorry her secret husband so i mean that's just a it's not a failing. It's just a, that's just one of the confines of the, of the, the framework that they were in, which unfortunately, you know, Ahsoka kind of fills that void where it's like, well, here's the one, here's the person you can go and do all those things with. And we can really that's develop right. her. That's right. Think of, you know, if Padme had have like dropped out of the, uh, out of the Senate and became sort of his swashbuckling, uh, partner, mm. you know, it, it would have been different. Maybe we would have felt different about her. But that's a story for another time, I guess. It's true. So Ahsoka clinging to what I, I kind of think is, you know, sort of the last sort of shreds of her own ignorance or even innocence kind of retorts with, I'm bringing you to justice. 
and Maul kind of tears, he tears that down with the next line by saying, justice is merely the construct of the current power base. Fantastic. I don't know where I've heard that before. Goes right back into that, you know, what I call the, the madness, you know, in inside his head and goes off and starts revealing the plan that, you know... A base which, according to my calculations, is about to change. The power base is about to change when Sidious reveals himself. At it's this just point, like saying that history is written by the victors. Very much so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ahsoka beckons Maul to help the Jedi... With your help. ...to stop Sidious before it's too late. But Maul knows... It's already too late. Too late for what? The Republic to fall? It already has. So this is where it kind of gets a little bit, a little bit creepy. Um, and again, talking about those parallels, like the whole Dooku Obi Wan uh, dichotomy. Join me, Obi Wan, and together we'll, you know, defeat the Sith. As uh, Maul basically <laughs> says, uh, he suggests that only he and Ahsoka can stop Palpatine. You know, it's uh, and and in some ways, I felt again we have the the musical cues and we have this. It's a feeling, you know, that echoes. Remember the conversation that uh, Palpatine had with Anakin at the opera, sort of yep. the, the tone of that. Best and then, Star Wars, right? and then so it's good. it's the same kind of tone that he had uh, when he revealed himself in the uh, the Chancellor's office. You know, it's That's a very right. similar feeling. And for me, this was very, uh, it, it made me feel more connected to it, like forward than back to the way that Maul also tries to recruit Ezra Bridger in Rebels. Oh, yeah. It's very, yeah, it's yeah. almost the same speech. Yeah, really. It didn't you work know, with her. Maybe it'll you work and with you. I, and it's the same speech that every Sith, and it's like they, they start to believe their own hype. Vader yeah. does it, the same speech in Empire to Luke. Join me and, and together, together we, we will rule the end galaxy. this destructive yeah, way yeah, yeah. order to the galaxy exactly and it's it's the same it's like the sith buying their own rhetoric and it's the rule of two and it's it's the idea that one day the apprentice will kill the master and become the master that's right in an endless cycle and ironically you're always trying to train the person who will kill you and rule so that yeah. they can train someone to kill you and rule kind of thing yeah he says to her every choice you have made has led you to this moment and then he he literally holds a hand out to her, like he offers his hand. Well, yeah. in his own Again. twisted way, he's showing sympathies because he puts them on the same ground. Like Sidious threw me away, Jedi threw you away. That's right. Like, and I think he's he's definitely playing that when he said that we were both tools for, for a sure. higher power, right? Like you and have again, to he's know. Not lying. No, he's not. Like he's you telling ha- the truth right now. You have he, to know he, that we were just cogs in a machine. He firmly believes that Ahsoka at his side, that they could defeat the Emperor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the, it, it gets real quiet here, like, to the point where, like, it's like you could hear a pin drop in the throne room. And uh, Ahsoka actually comes back with, I'll help you. Which, the first time around, I didn't expect that. I did not expect that at all, for her to say, okay, I'll do it. I will help you. But then she's like, you have to answer one question. You have but to ask. And then she asks him plainly, what do you want with Anakin Skywalker? He is the key to everything. And then we realize he actually does know oh, yeah. everything he that's about does. To because he just lays it out for her like uh, Anakin has been the key to everything. 
Ahsoka refers, you know, kind of takes it back to the prophecy of bringing balance back to the force and Maul just like, nope, nope, to destroy. He has long been groomed for it. And again, not lying. And she doesn't want to believe it because she says, you're lying. She accuses him of lying. You lie. And, uh, but Maul's like, no, I'm not lying. He's like, I'm so sure of myself that I basically orchestrated the whole war here to draw Obi-Wan and Anakin out so I could kill Anakin. And this is where you said before, Hank, to deny Palpatine his, uh, what was it? His, his prize? His prize. His prize. Yeah. His pupil. His, his, yeah. The key to, to Palpatine's success is, is Darth Vader. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if he can kill Vader before Vader becomes Vader, he, he either thinks that he, at that point he can redeem himself in the emperor's eyes and become his apprentice again. Cause there's gotta be that lingering in his head. He's a madman after all. I kind of wondered what was going on here. Like, what was he thinking by laying that out there? He either thinks that he can replace Anakin as the apprentice and therefore save his life, or he knows wholesale. And he oscillates too in his the way he talks. Or he knows wholesale that he's got to establish his own power base. And it would be a lot easier to have the Palpatine out of the out of the picture, which is also the Sith deluding themselves i think so i mean we saw that with the whole uh him trying to uh uh take savage as an apprentice you know like maul would rather be the top of the food chain than number two that's right and he'll and i mean he's he's genuine here like the look on his face he's a tremendous actor in terms of the character maul is acting the crap out of bothering her right now and the the look of compassion on his face right now yeah you you, like watch that scene and and look look for the compassion in maul as he's holding his hand and then the moment that glass breaks oh i know i got a question though like at this point when when he's laying that all out for her do you guys think that in maul's mind it would actually make a difference in terms of the outcome of the clone war on a galactic level no, I think that he's thinking now that in the wake of what's about to happen, no Republic, yeah, no Jedi Order, no. Nope. Uh, that then, ostensibly, there's the briefest of moments there, and Anakin sort of had his opportunity too. There's the brief and and Mace Windu, the briefest of moments where that's reduced to one man, one Force wielder, and that in single combat you could change the tide of the the whole show. And I think that Maul maybe believes that. Maybe before the empire becomes the empire with, with ostensibly Anakin out of the way, right. That he and Ahsoka or he, or he and Ezra Bridger or he and someone at his side can destroy the emperor. And then, and she says it right on the nose. That's why she draws her lightsabers right now. Yeah. Replace them with yourself. That's right. She retorts telling him like your vision. I know Anakin and your vision is flawed. And he definitely does not like that. Uh, I wish it were true. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, What does he say to her? Looks like the apprentice needs one One more more lesson. lesson. Yeah, yeah. So now this gets to the, uh, this is the big eye candy moment of the episode. And and, uh, I kind of went back and had another look at this. Because I knew that, uh, for those of you who don't know, this lightsaber duel, uh, from here on to to the end of the episode, it's full motion capture. And it's Ray Park. As, uh, as Darth Maul coming back to the role. And it is a visual smorgasbord of, uh, of fighting. And guys, it's Lauren Mary Kim. I, that's the part I didn't know. Okay, and now she's got some credits that you'll be really familiar with. Yeah, yeah. She is ostensibly the house stunt double for females on The Mandalorian. Yep, that's it. So she's played Omera. 
She's played the Armorer. Yep. She played Ahsoka Tano. Yep. She's played Cosca Reeves. Yep. She's played Morgan Elsbeth. She's yes. played Fennec Chan. Yes. I think she's and, played everybody but Bo Katan. Yeah, and and also uh, Cara Dune. <laughs> I think she was doing her own stunts to be honest, but hey. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I so I watched this several times, and I watched it specifically. I watched it once like a fan, right? Everybody oh yeah, yeah. It. But I, then I watched it, and I was watching Ray Park. Like I was trying to just isolate, watch him. You know. Oh yeah, it's and then it's the gorgeous. Same thing with Ahsoka. And the third time when I did, I was like, whoever they got to do Ahsoka. Is, yeah, like she's got some things in there where like she's flip, she's flipping her lightsaber, letting it go and catching it. They're so fast, it's hard to catch. Like, but she's doing some amazing, yeah, real things. And then when I saw that there's a clip out there, there is, yeah, there's a behind the scenes where these people are wearing the mocap suits, but on the monitor that the directors and the producers are watching, yeah, backgrounds aren't rendered, but those two characters are fully rendered as Maul and Ahsoka. Yeah, not just wireframe model, but no, fully rendered. And that's, that's the difference cool. using this game engine now instead of film engines. Oh my god! Yeah, we've had this is where I struggle, and I and I've struggled with this before is trying to describe the 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 beats of the duel, and and I can't, I just cannot do it justice, and even more so in this one because it is so fast and brutal and and elegant and beautiful and all of the things all wrapped up into one neat package yeah it might be my favorite lightsaber battle yeah i was thinking about i was contrasting this against duel the fates and i'm like because i love duel the fates and i dare say that this one is as good i don't know if it's better but it is as good as duel the fates i'll yeah i'll concede as good yeah for sure for sure it's got some things and you can tell like you there's there's the like the the leaping double strike and he does it in the duel Ray Park does it in the duel of the fates. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the leaping double strike with the double sword. Um, and you see that stuff. Um, one of my favorite moments for the entire, all of Ahsoka's character, her lines, her, her growth, her coming to age and her becoming like, you know, a Jedi and then becoming this other wonderful thing is this mall. She, this the line she delivers to mall here after he disarms yeah. her of one of her sabers. And they have this, like, you know, that, that samurai pause where they're yes. sort of one another and she says oh you're it's a good thing anakin didn't show up that's right you've been fighting like this you wouldn't have lasted long she's yeah like, yeah the way you're fighting you wouldn't have lasted long like she's so cocky in that moment she's just gone toe-to-toe with the sith lord and she's now she's learned a thing or two about this guy right and he's learned a thing or two because he comes back with you have Kenobi's arrogance. <laughs> yeah, it's wicked. It's such a good. And you, when you, if you yeah. step out for a minute into the real world and you go, this character, Ahsoka Tano, goes toe to toe with Darth Maul, and she goes toe to toe with Darth Vader. Oh so yeah, from both. She's one of the the toughest Jedi. Like 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 man, when you when you think about that, like all of the the characters that you know that we consider like you know. I guess you could say Mace Windu fought Vader for a split second, <laughs> but there's very few characters that have, if any, maybe Obi Wan is the other character that has has dueled yeah. both of these characters and and gone toe to toe, and uh, it makes her uh, and it makes her a serious Jedi top tier uh, top tier swordsman, yeah, swordswoman, swordsperson, swords swords person, sure, fantastic saber wielder, saber there it is. wielder, there it is, gender neutral.
Yeah, so we get this. Uh, the 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 duel the duel is interspersed with like clips uh, back to the ground battle, and at this point, you can see like the the ground battle is very much in favor of uh, of the Maldalorians, where the Republic forces and the Loyalists are kind of getting their ass kind of handed to them, and then we see Rex or Rex and Bo kind of show up and they kind of turn the tide, and very much as sort of has been the 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 way with the show in general is the clones are able to rally and of course break out and and they begin to advance and then the tide turns yeah and it's this moment because the the like the duel turns as the tide yeah battle, exactly it's oscillating as the battle's oscillating it's very well crafted it goes back and forth but like once the heroes show up it becomes a little bit more one-sided to the point where yeah. We get that moment with Gar Saxon where he drops back to cover so he can radio for help. Um, and this is the moment where Maul just abandons him with that line, uh, well, die well, Mandalorian. You die well. Die well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he goes off to make his uh, his escape. He's been kicked out the window. Oh, that's point. right, because Ahsoka did uh, punted him out the window first. Which was a nice little detail to see the double saber cut through the wall. Cut, Very cut, much. Cut same time yeah there's another yeah, yeah. thing that lauren and i were talking we were speculating because there's a, a little the briefest of scenes where ahsoka does a double strike at at maul and he blocks it yeah for a split second with the hilt of his lightsaber and i, I went, never oh, looked wait a oh. minute and so then lauren was like well he's on mandalore they could have built him a beskar lightsaber and i'm like interesting oh yeah i suppose so yeah the briefest of things but he definitely blocks two lightsabers with the hilt between his hands like uh, Okay, I'm going to go back and look at that scene again because now I want to... I believe you. I'm like, did it? What? Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Got to be perks to be in the ruler. Yeah, really. So persistent as she is, Ahsoka pursues Maul up into like high above the city. And I don't even know what that structure really is. It's like a protective dome or something. Is it part of the dome of the city? Because the city is domed, right? Yeah. I guess that's probably what it is. It's the understructure. It's high up because when they... Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Not even make it the footprint of a ship. Behind well, that's what I mean. Like the, there you don't really get. There's very few sequences across the the series where you get a really good look at the cityscape itself. But you mm. can tell from where they're they're standing on that uh, framework, which is pretty much like just a few inch like I beam girder kind of bars yeah, yeah, that they're standing yeah, yeah. on. You're looking down and you're seeing the tops of like multi story skyscrapers. That's you right. know, you're like holy crap. So yeah, she's uh, she's kind of followed him up there, still determined to bring him in. And <laughs> she she kind of says, after uh, Maul dismisses Gar Saxon, you know, from behind. Obi Wan was right. Obi Wan was was right. You are hard to kill. And then he's still sort of that we could have destroyed Sidious, but Ahsoka's yeah. like what? So you could take his place. At this point, things kind of change, and, and uh, Maul's uh, calm chimes in, and, and we get a female voice that says, we must make our escape. But Ahsoka is, like, relentless, and she's on him once again, and the duel uh, continues. On oh, these girders, to watch these characters just, yeah. like, flip around and, like... This like, is where I was... Know. Another point where I kind of... Where I really kind of leaned into the whole... It reminded me of the duel of the fates when they were standing on those platforms i guess with the mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. energy beams but he ends up trying to like cut the beam out or the the girder out from underneath her and like you say she was disarmed of one saber then she gets disarmed of the other one she slips up falls but catches herself 
And it's kind of like a parallel between her and Anakin with, with the losing the sabers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, what? Well, no one's there to scold her for, for yeah, dropping it. Yeah, not this time. <laughs> There's a scene, too, where she's now she's weaponless, and Maul cuts the beam that they're standing on, and then yes. that flips over her. And I thought for sure, and this is what I would have done, Cut the other side of the beam because then she's standing in open air, just like a Warner Brothers. Well, exactly. Statue. I don't. I don't know why he didn't do that, but I, I fully expected that to happen in some, you know, other way to. But uh, he chose to like get up close and personal with her. He did. Man, I mean, she just grabs his saber and yeah, <laughs> does exactly what he should have exactly. done. Exactly. Not before uh, we get a, a quick flash to Rex, who sees the. Uh, you can see the silhouette of a ship. Uh, above the dome uh, with yeah, the, the spot talking. the yeah. spotlight coming down between uh on them and mm-hmm. he's like we got to get the gunships come on get the gunships so they go off to rend some aid and like you say like you know he he goes to make one final looks like an overhead chop and she like just handily catches it and it, it's so fast i had to watch it a couple of times catches mm-hmm. the saber essentially trades positions with him on a piece of metal that's like what five inches four or five inches wide at best yep and basically tosses him out into the void and then grabs him with the force like nothing happened like whoop, like you're not going anywhere yeah and he's immediately like he knows that it's over and then just right back into that madness part yeah let me let fall. Me let me die. Let me die. Let me die. Yeah, yeah. You're um, all, we're all gonna die. You're all gonna die. Yeah, yeah. And he's. That was your best screaming. only hope. Yeah, oh yeah. Uh, what's the last word? He says something about um, you know not what you do or what yeah. you've done. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. At that point, the uh, the LAAT gunships kind of show up. The doors open, and we've got a mix of clones and and loyalists, Amazing. and they wrap him up, up nicely in in uh, cables. And, I believe it's uh, even Rex that uh, stuns him. It might be, yeah, because they do. They stun him. He's unconscious, and uh, the episode kind of closes with Ahsoka standing there on the uh, on the girder, kind of staring up at the the starry night sky, and uh, we get our favorite. She has a moment just before that too. As soon as they stun him and and he falls limp, and the, yeah. the two clones have him on the tethers. Yeah, she. That's the first time she she relaxes. Oh yeah, yo, for sure. And she like she she got taken to her limits there. There's another moment just before, like Andy said, where she throws Maul out the window. Right. She's like she's all game, but there's a little tiny scene of her there where she just takes a, a split second and then she's like a a person for a minute. Where she's like her face changes from like daunting and and willing and able to this like take a breath moment, like a child, like where she's just she's. And then right back to the face. Like she takes two breaths like that. Yeah. Right back. It's so powerful. And then you get to see her realize that how close, how the, the limit she was just taken right to the edge of her abilities there. So and, let's, and let's talk about uh, being on the edge and talking about limits and let's, let's recontextualize that. And let's talk a minute first uh, for a second about how committed was she to, to the cause when she said, I'll help you. How far do you think she was willing to go? I think it well, depended see, what on he his did answer. there in that scene. He led her, yeah, to, to to make these conclusions. The way he was steering her mind there, yeah, and the way he told her the truth, and the way he laid it on the table, so that she started to think about the order of operations there, and and came to a conclusion where, well, 
yeah maybe maybe like maybe she thought she was more powerful than him and she could use him like a tool because she certainly uses that same thought after order 66 takes place in the next couple of episodes that's right and so i think partially in that moment she believed that she could use him but i think that certainly threatening anakin's life was a trigger for her that that is understandably uh, yeah it all hinged on the answer to that question what do you want with him I think this episode more than any other, well, with the exception of her leaving the order or sorry, not coming back to the order when they go, Oh, it's all better now. And you can come back and her saying, no, I think this episode stands on par with that one in terms of like, I think we are seeing, this is where we see Ahsoka lose her last bit of, of childlike innocence. You know, it's certainly she's gone. Yeah. It's torn away. You know, and who yeah, better to do that? And seasoned veteran, like, and this is another thing, and you'll be able to test Wes. So like, she's a child, and she's a veteran of war. Yeah, like, imagine that. Like, we tend to be like, sympathetic like, towards child soldiers, eh? But but typically, child soldiers, you know, in our world, aren't making you know like galactic altering decisions. <laughs> this, this is it. This is it. The weight of the galaxy is on this this child's shoulders, and she's. Yeah. She's so, she's so powerful and noble and, and like, and, tr- and she's honestly above all that she's always trying to do the right thing. And, and that more than any other character that we've encountered that, that right thing doesn't include what, what the heroes, the Jedi right. yep. of our whole galaxy, uh, th- 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 those two things don't jive up for her. She's the first person that we yeah legitimizes that like leaving the Jedi order and going out and becoming something else is actually a viable and tenable. Yeah. 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 In a way that, that Dooku never did on, on some level, do we think Ahsoka is the star Wars version of Joan of Arc? Maybe that's interesting. There's some parallels there. Like, you know, being a young, you know, Joan of Arc leading an an army uh, at such a young age. and, And here we have Ahsoka doing exactly the same thing. No, it's very. That's those analogies are true. Yeah, no, yeah. it's very true. It may be just be superficial. It may not be more than that, but it's just a passing thought I had. <laughs> I had a passing thought on the uh, the lightsaber, the ending of it, anyway. Yeah, Maul has learned nothing. He has the high ground, and he still loses. Oh, that's again. right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because he takes that first cut, and like you say, the the girder bends and, yeah. and droops. So now he's clearly elevated above her. Oh, and then the second thought there is to her power limits. Like we've seen other Jedi's at this point because the dark side is so powerful. Yeah. Like they're struggling to pull lightsabers, but when he falls, she's just like, Nope, you're here. Yeah. Yeah. And she holds them. That's true. Yeah. The, you, we talked about that a little bit before about like how we've seen other characters, force wielders struggle with trying to catch sort of things even Obi-Wan struggles for a minute there in his fight with uh, with Grievous where he's hanging over the precipice and he he's kind of like reaches for the blaster. It's not a it's not a clean yoink. There's a bit of a ooh, an effort to get it. So yeah. from for that stuff that kind of stuff for me I always go back to gaming, right? So how many things is the character doing simultaneously? Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. How, Obi-Wan's doing several things there. How split is your attention? Right. So I always I sort of always think about that. Yeah. Um and then there's there's definitely like like uh, I don't know how it works, but universally there's got to be some sort of like break in the dark side when Maul yeah. falls. There. Like there's like there's like a little window that she can reach into to like 
I can at least secure him at this moment. It is spoken of that the Jedi are greatly diminished in their ability. Right. And perhaps her ability has been freed up a little by her, you know, like expressing to the universe, if you, if you will, like that she's no longer a Jedi. She's something different. She's still a force wielder, but maybe, yeah. maybe she's gaining access to this. I mean, you do start to get into this uh, in the High Republic, this whole idea of other abilities that, that force wielders can use that, Lauren's got a great thing that she's like, why can't Jedi and Sith fly? And so I, I've had to come up with my own headcanon for of why they like, don't. So like, if you think of Peter Pan, yeah. So Sith can't fly because of the joy required. Oh, interesting. Fly, right. Yeah. And so Jedi can't fly because of the arrogance required. Right. That's where, that's how I justify it. Lauren's sure, like, sure. fuck that. Jedi <laughs> Sith should be able to fly. If you can levitate a rock, you can levitate yourself. A person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny, you know, how much uh, Maul, Maul really goes deep trying to get in her head to twist her, but she doesn't really make any overture to try to get into his head to bring him back. You know, it's a, just well, that one little help yeah, us, help us. And that's it. And, and he's immediately like, no. And uh, she's like, okay, <laughs> it just abandons the whole train of thought. Like, it's funny how in, mm. in the, in the greater Star Wars sort of space that, that redemption is this big you know, uh, recurring theme and nobody, maybe Ezra on some level later on in rebels kind of, kind of thinks maybe there's some, some, something to redeem there, but surprised that over the course of the clone wars that nobody ever tried to, you know, get inside mall and try to redeem him. He was never introduced to us as anything, but as uh, a, mach- a, a, a machine, uh, right. they, 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 they do predator? get into in the comics gets, they get into his birth on Dathomir and how he's recruited by Dooku at birth. Yeah. And they do get into that. And they, they he's like handed to the emperor and then like just essentially tortured into, so he's never, he's as trained by the Sith as Obi-Wan is trained by, by the, the Jedi. Jedi. Oh, so interesting. I, it's almost like there is no redemption for him. Yeah. He's never been anything but, um, Interesting. But I do think there's one character that does offer him redemption, and that's in the moment of his actual death. Oh yeah, Obi Wan. Obi Wan holds him yeah. there. Yeah, and he assures him that that there there will be balance. And then, oh yeah, and then Maul interprets that like we will be avenged. But that's that's Obi Wan forgiving him as yeah. a, as, a yeah. as a sentient being. Yeah, that's and, right, and giving him the moment that everybody should have when they when they pass into the other world. Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot to unpack today. It was a, uh, you know, I think we're 28 minute episode, but at the same time, like it was, it was chalked full and we probably could have unpacked it a little bit more, but um, those are all the points that I came up with this week. You guys got oh, anything yeah. else you want to touch on before we wrap it up? No, we've uh, no, touched I on it there. In a, in a real big way, I think the next episode is the, is the tearjerker. It is. It's the it's the one that's going to be the the like the densest in terms of the overlap with Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and I, if if you can, there's a I don't I don't have the link. I'll put it on the. Uh, the you can the, put it up on our Facebook. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a f- three hour and forty one fan edit of Revenge of the Sith and the final arc of season seven of Clone Wars. Yeah, that'd be um, really cool to watch it that way. This guy makes it implicit that he didn't he he doesn't want to piss anybody off. No. Doesn't want to. He he. In fact, he thinks it's illegal if you watch his edit. If you don't subscribe to Disney Plus or own season oh, seven right, right, right. Wars on CD and own Revenge of the Sith on CD or DVD or sure, or whatever. Sure. 
and he he actually is he's full of disclaimers and he's got it's a twitter feed and he has you can message him and he will send you a copy of oh wow feed. that's yeah. super cool and it's 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 great <laughs> well all right guys that's our look back at uh oh my god what's the name of this episode the, the phantom, phantom apprentice, apprentice. I hope you guys enjoyed what we're doing. I hope you guys continue to uh, follow us, uh, follow along. We're going to be back next week with our uh, next look at the next episode, which I don't have the title in front of me. <laughs> you think I'd have had this by now? Mm-hmm. But uh, really looking forward to uh, unpacking it again next week. So until then, guys, may the force be with you. And do it. Do it. Do it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast, but you didn't know where to begin? Maybe you'd like to try podcasting without having to invest in any recording equipment. Do you have an idea for a show, but you're not sure how to develop it? Let Sawcast Productions take care of all of that so you can focus on what it is you want to say. Sawcast Productions offers podcasting solutions ranging from recording and basic editing to fully produced episodes complete with all the audio embellishments of a broadcast quality show. And when your show is ready... Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?